Welcome to Rhode Island's Church and State Podcast. I'm David. And I'm Jessica. We're a husband and wife podcast. He's a pastor and I'm a state senator. So you've been warned. We're about to talk politics and religion. And anything else that might get us canceled. Hey, everybody. Today, Jessica and I will be walking you through what has been our favorite book on marriages. In fact, it's the one book that we tell other couples over and over again to read. I I see this book and its principles all over some of the couples that uh, you and I look up to in a lot of of ways. So uh, it's no wonder we recommend this book to so many people. Yeah, the book is called The Five Love Languages, and it's actually the first book that we read. Um, we were in pre- premarital counseling, which our pastor, uh, for those of you guys who've never heard of premarital counseling, some churches require um, that the couples meet with the pastor and get some counseling before marriage. So this was one of the books that our pastor uh, made mandatory for us to read, which was a really great book. And I would say the book, I think, is about 30 years old. Our copy is about 21 years old. And it looks it. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the principles in the book are timeless. So, mm-hmm. David, um, why don't you tell us a little bit more about it? Well, I, first of all, th- we know that it's important to say, I love you. Uh, those three words are so important for every relationship. But this book goes beyond that because whether it's I love you or just doing nice things for your spouse, um, many times we we need more than that. And this book is a recognition of that. I think even the word love has been diluted. You know, when I talk about, um, you know, when I use the word love, I might say, I love this podcast and I love a cheeseburger and I love my wife. And, And all three of those are different things. And I think they all require a different level of love and and commitment from me. You know, the way I love my wife is not the way that I love a a cheeseburger. Mm -hmm. So I I think this book recognizes that when you communicate the word love, it it has to be matched up with something else and has to be received the right way. So when we communicate love, um, we should be recognizing how do we, how do we receive it? It's possible that you could be speaking Chinese and then your spouse is speaking Portuguese and and you're talking past one another. So what are the five love languages? What are the five ways that you speak and communicate your love and affection and commitment and devotion to one another? I think one reason why you need a book like this is because the those goosebumps and the uh, the feelings of infatuation that you have early on in the relationship are fleeting. You know, I, in the same way that you don't fall into love, you, uh, or maybe you do fall into love. I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't fall want... into anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you could slide out of this thing and your your love, or at least that feel-goody part of love could, could, uh, could cool. And this, this book helps you to make sure that the love that you're showing to one another is still um is is still strong and for those of you who don't get the joke uh, i don't (laughs) fall into anything (laughs) our pastor who gave us the marriage counseling yeah our first pastor yeah yeah you better not fall into love yeah you know i don't fall into anything (laughs) you choose you You choose choose it it. that's right you make the decision to love and i i think that's a good point um what what why else why else might we recommend this book Well, I think because it makes you less selfish. So you start to see things from your spouse's perspective. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the principles in the book is that um, it helps each spouse realize that it's not about them and that um, 
it's really how to love and honor and serve your spouse. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I would say every, you know, goals are nice in life. You know, we want to lose weight. We want to have a healthy marriage. We want to have a, an amazing um, family. Those are great goals. But what you really need is uh, the system. You know, what kind of patterns, what kind of principles are you going to start building into your life, building into your marriage so that you are starting to work your way towards some of these, some of these goals? Because having a, a great marriage or a great family, those are great things. But how are you going to do it? I think the five love languages is one of those systems that you and I have put into our marriage. You know, we've included these patterns of recognizing each other's love language and then communicating that. Mm. Yeah. And so that uh, I would say better communication, right? So if you're learning how to communicate your love with your spouse, it's kind of like when you were just saying, speaking Portuguese or Chinese, where mm -hmm. like you may be trying to convey your love for this person, but right. that's not really how they receive it, which I think which brings us really right into the five love languages, which why don't you tell us about the first one? The first one is the words of affirmation. First love language is words of affirmation. Mark Twain said this. He said, I can live for two months on a good compliment. <laughs> two months on a good compliment. Now, if we take him literally, that means that just six solid compliments are enough to get him through a year where he's able to feel good and he's sustained for a whole year. Um, but the word to affirm, right, the the five love languages means to to show support and encouragement or approval. Yeah. So I'm going to have to interject here. That definitely is not Mark Twain's love language because <laughs> words of affirmation. Yeah. Gonna... He's going to need more than six times a year. Exactly. Someone yeah. who really... Uh... Right. They thrive on this. They Someone who, on who requires the words of affirmation as their love language, they need it all the time. They need to hear it all the time. They they thrive on it. And to affirm means that you're encouraging. That means you're you're giving them courage. You're you're helping them throughout their day. Um, sometimes they've had a tough day at work or some difficulty, you know, it, 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 with their family or something else. Or or sometimes their worst critic is themselves. And they need to hear those words of affirmation to provide courage and build them up. Sometimes it's kind words, but it's even more than just the words. It's the tone in which these words are shared. Um, all of that is going to be to build the other person up. And I would warn this before we move on to the next one. Um, be careful if your spouse, uh, if your loved one, your partner has this words of affirmation as their love language, be very careful that your words are not harsh towards them because that could really be hurtful to someone with this love language. So true. Yeah. So Jessica, what's the second one? Second one would be quality time. And that means undivided attention. You know, you could spend time with someone and be with them all the time, but if it's not quality time, it's not the same thing. So um, would say eye to eye contact um, when you're talking, your posture says, you know, I'm listening, you're important. Mm. So mm -hmm. you're not on your phone while someone's right. trying to talk to you or looking at the TV when, you know, sitting on the couch, if you're having a conversation, because, you know, um, it, it's those, it, it's your body language also says a lot. Mm -hmm. um, so I would say another point is like togetherness. So we're in this together. I'm with you. Quality conversation. Um, I'd say, you know, if it's, if it's, if, if, if the person you're with their love language is quality time going, um, you know, even spending time in the car, you know, talking to each other, uh, doing uh, errands together. Yeah. But I would say if it's quality time, it shouldn't be like problem solving time. 
Right. It's, it's person time. It's, it's prioritizing the person, you know, because it, you didn't marry a project, you married a person. So spending time talking about them and, 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 you know, what's going on in their life and talking about the future and, uh, what, what are their hopes? What are their dreams? All of those are kind of, uh, conversation points to have with someone who has quality time as their love language. I would say when you're speaking to them, you, you mentioned their, lo- uh, the body language is so important, but listen for feelings and look, listen for moments to connect. Again, you're not trying to solve every problem for them, but you're just trying to be there for them. And that means also not interrupting, but letting them talk, letting them unload. You've, uh, you know, you and I have spoken to people who have this love language and they'll, they'll just say, man, I really enjoy just going out for tea or for coffee or going out to eat with so-and-so. It was, yeah, I just needed that. It was like it filled their love tank uh, for the day or for, 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 you know, that, that period of time. Mm. So the third one would be receiving gifts. And uh, I think one of our boys has this love language. Definitely. Yeah, because I, I noticed that whenever he goes to the dollar store with grandma or Vavo, or he's um, uh, he's he's been at Walmart or shopping with them, he's he's always grabbing little things and he's thinking about you or me or his brothers. And he's um, he, it's his way of demonstrating or, or conveying that I love you, I was thinking of you. Someone who has this love language, receiving gifts, it's not necessarily they're looking for big extravagant gifts. You don't have to buy them a new summer house or a brand new car. What you're doing is, while, what you're saying is, while I was uh, at the store, I was thinking about you. So it's not necessarily the the object or how how flashy it is or how expensive it is, but it really is the thought behind it. Mm. You're saying, I was thinking of you. I remembered you while I was at the store. So it's not the object. It really is the sentiment. Yeah. And I would say, as we're even going to talk about a few tips here, mm-hmm. that a lot of times when you, you don't know who what your spouse's love language is, usually you can tell by just observing it. Right. You know, are they giving right. you lots of compliments? Right. You know, are they buying you, you know, little trinkets here and there? They might be looking for some reciprocity, exactly. right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah so. And I see even this, this, uh, the love language of gifts you see, actually, I think you see all five of the love languages on display, even in a wedding, in a wedding ceremony, when the husband and wife are exchanging of the rings, that's really an exchanging of gifts. And that ring is very symbolic. It's very, it's a strong symbol of the the marriage and the unity that's um, that's being celebrated on, on the wedding day. And you'll notice, I think this is my own theory, but I think someone who has this gift, this or this love language for gifts is the kind of person that probably won't even take their wedding ring off that often. I've been with some people where they take it off, you know, it's, you know, they don't really think anything of it. It's not because they're it's not because they're cheaters or anything like mm-hmm. that. It's just because, uh, you know, work or it's uncomfortable sometimes or they're, they're washing and they don't want to get it ruined. But someone with with this love language for gifts doesn't want to put it down because it does represent something so important, so sentimental that that keeping it on is a reminder of that. Mm-hmm. So I think that's just my own theory on that. And, you know, I would say if you're the type of person who's maybe a saver or maybe more frugal and... um I'd say this is an investment in your marriage. And it's not to say that you have to, like David said, buy a summer house or mm-hmm. a new car, but you know, it could be something that you bought, you found or made. Maybe it's a handpicked flower from a garden in your yard or a flower from the local florist, a little note in yeah. the lunchbox. Yep. Yep. You know, um, you, 
you can get creative. And so do not wait for Christmas and birthdays. Be spontaneous. That's good. That's good. And the last word on this, uh, especially if you are on the frugal side of things, um, look at this like an investment in their marriage, in the relationship, right? Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. Um, so number four would be acts of service. This is when you do things for your spouse that you know that your spouse would like you to do. Things like filling the gas tank, doing laundry, vacuuming the floor, cleaning the toilet, changing diapers, whatever it is. Um, the person whose love language is acts of service will just absolutely adore you for doing the, these types of things. Um, some of these things that are shared responsibilities, yes, uh, you know, as being part of a family, but just doing them from your for your spouse communicates to them that you love them, that you serve them, that you um, uh, that you just love them. Yeah, and you probably will know that this is their love language if they're communicating it. If they say if you're hearing, "Hey, I wish you would help out around the house. Right. I wish you would, you know, vacuum. You saw the table has been messy since this morning. Why didn't you clean it off?" Right. That's not just nagging, you know, it may feel that way, but it actually could be communicating like, Hey, this is important to me. It communicates that you love me. You, you value our, our family, our marriage, our, our, uh, our home. So please meet this need in, in my, in my life. But if you just are hearing nagging or, uh, she's, he or she is, is frustrated or angry all the time, then you're, you're missing an opportunity to speak the language of your spouse or your partner. So I would say, ask. If, if that is happening, ask your spouse, say, what can I do for you? What would be most helpful? And um, that will that will go a long way. Uh, but then I would also say to the individual who's asking for the help, try not to make it overwhelming for your spouse. Maybe just a handful of things where you could say, this would be really helpful to me if you could do you know X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And I think to <clears throat> to do this effectively, you uh, you may need to break down some of the stereotypes that you grew up with. I know sometimes a lot of men or women just grow up thinking, oh, men are supposed to do that, women are supposed to do this, and we have our chores and responsibilities. But you have to look past that and just pay attention to what are the needs or what is, if this is the language of your, your spouse, then how can you communicate that, uh, that you love that person? How can you take that off of their list? Yeah. And I'm a, am I allowed to share this? But you allow you enjoy cooking, so you take that off my list whenever possible. Yeah, I do in, enjoy it, and yeah. I don't think um, uh, acts of service is necessarily your your love language, but it's just one way that I can that I can help out. Yeah. But you do stuff all the time for me, you know, like every three or four years. <laughs> every three or four years, that's all you need, right? <laughs> <All laughs> kind of like Mark Twain when it comes of it comes to acts of service. <laughs> Six times a year, I'm I'm happy. <laughs> All right. So tell us about number five. David. All right. Number five is physical touch. Mm -hmm. Now, cool your jets, everybody. This is not, we're not talking about the physical touch that leads to making babies, if you know what I mean. This could be the mild things. This is just a hug, holding hands, a back rub, a short or a long embrace. The physical touch, uh, we know it, th this is just so important, um, whether it's a hand on the shoulder, but it communicates something. Usually, it can communicate love, but the lack of physical affection can also be very hurtful. Um, we know that even recoiling when when someone's trying to, to give you a hug or an embrace, that can be very damaging and, and very hurtful. Uh, one thing that Chapman talks about uh, is that 
each love language has different dialects to it. So for example, some people may not mind a kiss in public or a hug at the office, but then there are others who are very shy about these kinds of public displays of affection. So when you're considering the love language of your spouse, I would keep in mind, you know, what dialect are they? Do they like public displays of affection or does that kind of get them shy and, ner and nervous? You don't want to make them uncomfortable. Which is also a cultural thing too, because some cultures are very kissy and huggy oh my and gosh. others are not. Yes, this is so true. When I first went to one of your family get togethers, I felt like a fish out of water. I mean, I grew up with a, the occasional hug and kiss for auntie and uncle or or maybe not uncle, but <laughs> but my aunts and my grandmothers. But when I went to your house, it was like I had to kiss every single person, well, every woman. I didn't know that at first. I went in to give your uncle a, a kiss on the cheek. He said, like, whoa, we don't kiss each other. I was like, I don't know the rules here. Nobody, there's no manual on this. So I had to give kisses on both cheeks to mm -hmm. the women. That was another thing I, I didn't when know. When you arrive and right. when you leave. And I, and I was, yeah, when you get there and then when you leave. And of course, I, I wanted to make sure I didn't miss the second cheek and hit the lips. So I'm like, <laughs> I, it was just a, a disaster. Uh, especially being, you know, like a, an older teenager and, and getting very, uh, you know, just nervous about first impressions and all that. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Jessica, I have a question for you. Yes. You know, now that we've shared the five love languages, can a person have more than one language? Is it possible to be trilingual? Well, some people may think they are, but no, no, you are. There's one love language that is your uh, your most primary. dominant. Yeah, your primary language. Yeah. That's good. And it's not fair to your spouse to be like, I'm all three, you know, and, and it's really think about which language is your primary language. And I would say this, do a Google search. So back in the day when we were doing our um, pre-marriage counseling book, there was, I think, a test in the back and you could score yourself. Mm -hmm. But now if you just do a Google search, you could Google search the uh, five love languages and take a questionnaire and I must sound like an old lady, right? Back in my day, I did surveys at the back of a book. <laughs> yeah, now it's all online, Jess. Yeah. yeah. So go online, do a quick Google search, and it will be uh, lots of fun for you and your uh, spouse to do. That's great. Our closing thought for this week comes from 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 8. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Thanks again for listening. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, help us by subscribing and sharing these episodes. And for more content, check out churchandstateri.com. 